Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about what's on your mind. 855-450-3733. It is Mark with you. Nemi. And Allie. That's right. We've got uh, I've got I've, I've got the two new girls in the uh, studio. So thanks thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. So Allie, I you know I had something all ready to go here to talk about, and I love this story you've got out of Alabama, and that's your home state, isn't it? Yes. The story. The reason um, I found it so interesting is because it deals with immigration, which I think is an important issue, and then also it's from Alabama, which is where I lived a month ago. So. Um, uh, it makes me a little bit, it makes me sad for my state, but then also kind of glad I got out of there. Um, <laughs> I know the feeling. There's it's, a lot of people living in New Hampshire for the Free State Project that feel exactly the same, and they're from different states. So, um, this is a New York Times article by Campbell Robertson, um, says, after ruling Hispanics flee in Alabama town, Albertville, Albertville Alabama, the vanishing began Wednesday night. The most frightened families packing up their cars soon as they heard the as soon as they heard the news. They left behind mobile homes sold fully furnished for a thousand dollars or even less. They just closed up in a gesture of optimism. Left the keys with a neighbor. Dogs were fed one last time. If no one home could be found, they were simply unleashed. Two five years of living there and then gone in a matter of days mm. to Tennessee, Illinois, Oregon, Florida, Arkansas, Mexico, who knows, anywhere but Alabama. The exodus of Hispanic immigrants began just hours after a federal judge. It probably wasn't Georgia or Arizona. No, I, I, I doubt. Those are the other two places. states right. that <laughs> enacted some draconian uh, anti-immigration laws recently. Yeah. Um, the exodus of Hispanic immigrants began just hours after a federal judge in Birmingham upheld... Most provisions of the state's far-reaching immigration enforcement law. The judge, Sharon Lovelace Blackburn, upheld the parts of a law allowing state and local police to ask for immigration papers during routine traffic, cho- routine traffic stops, mm-hmm. rendering most contracts with illegal immigrants unenforceable and requiring schools to ascertain the immigration status of children at registration time. Gotcha. Um, of course, that doesn't address whether they're parents or not, or um, you know what, what the what the status of their uh, legality is. Right. Um, but I imagine it makes the parents very nervous, and a lot of these kids, as I understand it, have been um, very concerned. Citizens, you know, these these kids are citizens, are very concerned that their parents won't be there when they go home, and it's probably tough to learn in that fashion, and um, you know, makes for a very tough home life. A lot of people claim that um, you know that. These uh, the, the family life is the most important part about learning. Of course, it's all the parents' fault if kids don't learn. But this looks like the state creating a situation where um, it's difficult for people to learn. Right. And like a lot of um, the article says later on that a lot of uh, families are mixed as far as their immigration status. So while the children may have been born in the United States, the parents um, aren't legal immigrants. And so... Um, that creates a weird situation, probably ends up they're going to leave because, 
you know, even even, even if, if gra- grandma is uh, right. I- illegal, what's I mean, why do you want to be in a state where they're going to be checking driver's licenses when you stop? I mean, oh, yeah, everybody in the car, because it's not real clear as to whether or not it's the driver who has to be a, a citizen or whether or, you know, have legal immigration status, whatever that might be, or whether wh- whomever it is. So it, it, it's difficult to know. If the job you have is really not that great, you have to say to yourself, well, why am I here? I can just go to another state and, you know, live better. In a lot of cases, as I understand it, California has had, has had um, you know, I mean, a bunch of Im- immigrants are leaving, going back to Mexico. They can get better jobs there. So, you know, I mean, it is possible to stop illegal immigration by turning this country's uh, economy so far into the dirt, tra- you know, chasing after these people, spending billions and billions of dollars chasing after these folks that in a lot of cases are just trying to provide better uh, lives for themselves and their families. I don't want the freeloaders here any more than anybody else does. But to me, that's a problem with creating programs that attract freeloaders, whether they're citizens or not. Right. And and something that just from being from a state where there are lots of Hispanics um, is I I feel like a lot of people who would be behind this sort of thing are people that might describe themselves as having family values and Mm -hmm. all this. But um, I mean, I've I've known a couple of Hispanics and worked with them and they're very valuable workers and they're all very family oriented. They value their family a lot of people who are here even if their family is not here they're working to send money to their family they're they're family people so like we were saying before even if one person can't stay the whole family is probably going to be out yeah you know i mean it's obviously it's a generalization and you know those those uh it's it's difficult to be for it to be true all the time but it seems to me if people are here working trying to make a better life for themselves then that benefits everyone if the the claim is is that you know they'll work for less well then that means that the things you buy might cost less i understand what it must be like if you've worked at a particular job all your life making 20 dollars an hour and somebody else comes in and he'll do it for 12 i know that's got to be extraordinarily disheartening but that doesn't mean that that job was yours it wasn't yours that job belonged to the employer and they paid you to to, to do it and that's how I, I see these things. If you want a job for yourself, you need to create one in the marketplace, your own. Right. Exactly. And I mean, another problem with this sort of thing is like it says, um, it renders most contracts with illegal immigrants unenforceable. You know, so it's so it's one of those things where um, it just makes illegal immigrants um, sort of like a black market sort of thing yeah, where. Sure. You know, you can't, you know, every time it's going to be a risk, even though, um, you know, this guy uh, has been working for your company for years and is fit and you have a he's recommended his friends and you have a good idea that they might be great workers. You can't really um, go by that anymore, especially. Well, they probably won't have these people to hire anyway because they're all leaving. Right, and this is um, uh, this is probably the most onerous provision of this particular law because it is uh, it it creates a situation that causes such injustice um, for uh, the illegal immigrants um, that you know. <sighs> It it, it, it it turns them into prey, essentially. One of the problems with illegal immigration is that the illegal immigrants are treated so badly and often can work for less than a minimum wage because they cannot uh, appeal to not just minimum wage. I mean, you know, I, I don't really believe in the minimum wage, but I, I think that it 
they, they can't they have no redress when it comes to injustices in the workplace and their employer can say well if you want to leave then i'm going to report you to whomever so it puts them it essentially turns them into slaves and in this situation, in the same way, you know, they can, say, buy a car or something like that, hand the money over to somebody, and then, well, there's no contract here. I, I can't contract with you, but thanks for the $5,000. Get out of here, or I'll call the cops. Right, exactly. And it's disgusting. The story goes on to say, um, later on, grocery stores and restaurants were noticeably less busy, which in some cases may just may be just as well, because some employees stopped showing up. In certain neighborhoods, the streets are uncommonly quiet, the aftermath of some sort of rapture. Drawn by work in numerous poultry processing plants, Hispanic immigrants have been coming to Albertville for for years, long enough ago that some of the older ones gain amnesty under the immigration law of 1986. 86, yeah. And, you know, this is another aspect that they're they're really, um, you know, the, the people never seem to look at. Okay, so the illegal immigrants were here, and some of them certainly were using, you know, all kinds of uh, social welfare programs. I don't support that. Uh, I think that the, but I think that's a problem with the social welfare programs and a country and and an electorate that would support something like that, not with people wanting to come here and make a better life for themselves. But what it does to the economy, each one of these people eats food. Drives in cars and that um, uses gasoline, lives in houses that pay rent, electricity, cable, whatever it is, they spend money in these towns and these places that have uh, come to service them. And what's it like for those business owners? In some cases, those business owners are, you know, American citizens. In some cases, they aren't. But what's it like for those people and places where all these people just leave town because they're, they're scared? I'll tell you, it ruins lives and ruins jobs. And I, I don't want a government that ruins lives. I mean, really, we've in order to get to something better, we've first got to ruin lives? It seems like the wrong path. 855-450-FREE. All around the world, people are achieving success and making their dreams come true. You can be one of them. Whether it's wealth, happiness, business, or relationships, the only thing keeping you from achieving your goals is the desire to be successful and the know-how to achieve it. At allsuccessclub.com, you'll find the information you need to succeed from those who've already achieved it. Set your life on the path to success now at allsuccessclub.com. Eight fifty-five. 453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Have you heard that Ron Paul is now a top-tier candidate? You probably haven't because the mainstream media is trying to black out his campaign. On October the 19th, freedom lovers everywhere intend to create a ripple in politics so big, no media outlet will be able to ignore it. Join the fight for liberty and freedom today at blackthisout.com. Again, it's blackthisout.com. This campaign does have the the potential to change how things are happening in the 2012 presidential campaign. I recommend you go over there. I'll be participating in blackthisout.com's campaign. It's blackthisout.com. We are talking. Uh, it's, it's Mark with you. Nami. And Allie. And we are talking about the um, this situation in Alabama where they've got uh, the, now the most uh, 
dire and, and critical immigration laws in America and what some of the results are. You had, uh, Ali, one more quote out of the article that I wanted to make sure we got into, and then we're going to go to Ty in Tennessee's call. Yeah, it says um, critics of the law, particularly farmers, contractors and home builders, say the measure has already been devastating, leaving rotting crops and fields, critical shortages, shortages of labor and critical shortages of labor. They say that even fully documented Hispanic workers are leaving an assessment that seems to be born out of interviews here. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, the consequences here that do not affect the people that say they're taking our jobs and do not affect the politicians that say we're going to be tough on crime. The things that affect people that are providing working Americans with the things they need is that their employees are going away. Our food is rotting in the fields being unpicked. And we you know, the jobs are getting undone. This is destroying, uh, you know, pr- productivity. And that's really what the government is all about. Destruction of productivity. They created this problem. Seven, 60%, as I understand it, of illegal immigrants that are in this country were actually allowed in by the government under some visa or another program and have just essentially outstayed their visas. They didn't sneak across the border. More than 60% of them were good enough to let into the country, and they just didn't renew whatever paperwork that the government wanted hundreds of dollars to renew. And that's really what it is. The government creates the problem, and then it tries to use force and taxpayer dollars to solve it. Let's go to Ty in Tennessee. Ty, can you hear me? Hey, uh, I wanted to agree with you for the most part on what you're talking about. I do have one fine point that I want to emphasize. I think I've talked about this before we're calling in in the past that i really don't think a job is a possession so i don't think you can steal a job i don't even think it belongs to an employer although an employer has more control over it a, a job is not a um not like a scarce resource i guess labor could be a, a scarce resource yeah as the uh the people there in alabama are finding out or the farmers that are missing workers are finding out but um I really don't think of a job as a possession that can be stolen. So you're saying, so, you know, like, that a job is, um, jobs can be created, and so they could be sort of not infinite because there's only a limited amount of people, but that since you can create jobs depending on the type of work, that it's not like, like what you're saying, there's not a limited amount just based on circumstances, that there can always be job creation? Well, I think that jobs are a trade. I don't think yeah. they are a physical resource. I get Jobs it. Jobs are an exchange. Services, labor, or compensation. So I, it's not really a possession. I get it. I, I, really I get what you're saying, but uh, I... I, I do understand. It, it is an agreement uh, between two individuals. So if, for instance, um, you know, I had two employees that were slow and bad at their job and I paid them $8 an hour um, and I found somebody who could do the, the job of two for $12 an hour, uh, no job has been destroyed. I have really just become more efficient. Yeah, and you, yeah. You've, you're you now making an exchange with somebody else. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the, I think you're right. I really wanted to get to... What I was really wanting to get to on this call, I wanted to talk about borders. You know, I used to be one of those guys, you know, anti-illegal, quote-unquote, immigrants, you know, a few years ago before I really started studying uh, the principles of liberty and becoming more principled. And I I do believe in open borders because I think that people should be free to move wherever they want, and if they could sustain themselves 
by freely, you know, offering their services to other people in the community, then they then they certainly could stay. Because uh, well, one of the things, you know, that that's being shown here in this Alabama situation is the value that they bring. Not just in the fact that they spend money, drive cars, rent, and uh, buy food and whatnot. They actually provide a service that betters the community. Even though they send money, a lot of them send money home to their family, that, that has not drained the economy here. That's actually enriched people in multiple places. Well, you know I, I, I'd like to put a finer point on what you say. People should be able to free to go where they want to go as long as they are welcome by the legitimate landowner. Right. So if, for instance, I don't yeah, exactly. want them illegals on my little piece of property in New Hampshire, then I should be able to keep them out if that's what I so wish to do. Now, what people that are uh, anti-immigration or, or pro-legal immigration, I imagine is what they'll say, um, will often say is, well, if they come into America without being asked, it's like them coming to, into your house. Well, no, it's not like them coming into your house. It's more like them coming into the neighborhood where um, there's public property and there's private property and some property owners want them there and some property owners don't want them there. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, if everybody in the neighborhood didn't want somebody to come there and they all owned a little piece of the road or whatever, then nobody should be able to come there. But if so, if one of the people in the neighborhood wanted a guest to come to their house and the rest of them didn't want somebody to come, that one person has the right to invite people to their house. And that's the way immigration really is. Until 100% of the people in the United States are against illegal immigration or immigration without the government's uh, in, in monstrous uh, paperwork that it, and thousands of dollars that it requires, that these people, some of the poorest people, cannot afford to pay. Um, then that's that's the only point with 100% that it, this would be legitimate. Yeah, there's uh, another point that I wanted to make, too. Uh, one of the kind of related, I, I think you may have sort, some sort of a disconnect, though, Mark. I was listening to the podcast earlier today from yesterday, even though it's got some it's, copy moments. It's a mess, yeah, but um, we're going to fix it. Uh, we're going to fix it up from, for those that, uh, that uh, yeah, was, the, the many the people that have addressed it. Facebook, so. Yeah, just a second. Um, the many people that have addressed this particular issue, uh, thanks. And we've, we're likely going to get that the last two podcasts fixed. It's going to take a little bit of work. We have to get it from other places and that kind of thing. But it should be taken care of tonight. So thanks to everybody and their help. Go ahead, Ty. Uh, anyway, I was, I was going to say that you're, you're for open borders in, in this country, this particular territory, you still seem to be stuck on this two-state solution, quote-unquote solution, over in, the, in the, the Palestine area, which I think that America should just not have anything to do with what's going on over there. I agree there. with that, but if, if America yeah. didn't have anything to do with it, Ty, then there would be the two-state solution. Are you aware of that? Well, there is a state there. There is a Palestinian state there. The but- problem that that state has is that the other, a lot of other states in the U.N. don't recognize them as a state. Okay. That's the problem. Yeah. But I'd like to continue a little bit after the break, if it's okay. All right. Well, Ty's program on the pro- program here. We'll hold him over. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about what you want to talk about. The 
Ruger LC9. Compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP. Features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9. Another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com slash LC9. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about it is an interactive program we've got an interactive website too at freetalklive.com you can link to blog posts or stories whatever it is that uh, you want to get out to a bunch of people you can vote on other people's links vote them down they'll do the same to your for yours and there's a lot of eyes that hit freetalklive.com an amazing amount more than say your facebook feed so post post away it's, it's a posting bonanza at freetalklive.com the Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle is an affordable, versatile, and reliable rifle. It'll deliver 10 rounds of 308 Winchester performance in a variety of situations. It's compact, lightweight, and accommodate, accommodates a host of optics. It's a serious rifle for those serious about rifles. The perfect do-it-all bolt-action rifle where a rugged, reliable Ruger meets the practical tactical. The Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle, the one rifle you have to have if you can have only one. You can go see it at Ruger.com. Get it at your local gun dealer, Ruger.com. It's Mark with you. Nami. And Allie. Let's go back to Ty in Tennessee. Ty? Yeah, uh, yeah. what I wanted to talk about, well, the main point of what I wanted to talk about was on the podcast we had a, there was a caller, I can't remember his name, but he was basically saying, and he, otherwise he sounded very libertarian, voluntarist. You know, uh, he said that, uh, the problem with the Palestinian state is that that would just legitimize Hamas, which are a bunch of thugs. And I wish I could have spoken directly to him. It's like, well, how does that, how is that distinguished from all the other thugs that call themselves states around the world? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All states are thugs, just some of them dress more fancy than others, and some of them have more legitimacy between themselves than others. Yeah. States really do this. They create legitimacy by recognizing each other. And they are organizations that use violence to get what they need or want. And, um, you know, essentially it's, it's like, uh, you know, warring gangs. They'll team up with each other in order to go after other ones. I mean, they've, if you think of states as, Gangs, armed gangs on a, a writ large, uh, gangs that fly flags out in front of their headquarters, then you will understand them completely. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I really think that the solution is not strengthening the Palestinian states so that they're more recognized or being forced by other states to recognize them. I think that the, they need, the people in Palestine need to be relieved from the states which are currently oppressing them. And the state that seems to be the biggest oppressor over there is Israel, and the state that supports Israel the most seems to be the United U.S. States. Yes, but so the best the best that we can do using the royal we collective we of the American people uh-huh. is to stop interfering in the world and just 
come back and take care of our own stuff. I absolutely concur. Um, but what about the UN situation? I mean, the UN does occur, right? It, it, it exists in the real world. Would you recommend the United States just withdraw from it? Yes, because that's just that's just a group of thugs of you know an organization of an organization of organized crime. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Absolutely. Because I I think that, you know, when Mark and I first met, he he asked me a a question about how I how I felt about the U.S. um, presence in other countries. And I think if we were talking 50 years ago and a country asked for our help, it would be a, a much different story than it is now. And I think I agree with you, Ty. I think it's time for us to step back and let other countries step up if that's what they choose to do. But I'm not supportive of the the U.S. acting as the world's police. Absolutely, or, or and I, you know, actually, <laughs> right. It, it is a problem over there, and and the U.S. has caused quite a bit of the problem over there. But it's really not our problem. It's not my problem, Ty in Tennessee. It's not you guys' problem in in New Hampshire. It's a Palestinian problem, but we can stop compounding it by trying by trying to influence the government that says it represents us to get the hell out of their way. You know, uh, Nimi, you bring up a, a very good point. For the United States to be the policemen of the world, they would have to be following the law of some sort. And the United States doesn't particularly follow U.N. law any more than, um, you know, many of the other nations out there. So the United States isn't the world's policeman. Well, how do you know how many policemen do you know that actually follow the law either? Uh, well, that's know. true. But you, how many how many countries have actually asked for our help recently? You know, in terms of, I of imagine warfare. they're all asking all the time. Well, right for financial aid, but mm-hmm. I'm t- I'm speaking in terms of um, firepower. I I think that uh, I, I'll, you know I know Yemen is uh, benefiting significantly from uh, United States uh, firepower on on the side of a dictator over there, and it's interesting. You know, basically whichever side um, you know both sides will ask in some uh, cases. I'm sure Gaddafi asked, and the uh, you know his his rebels asked, and and that kind of thing. It is a dangerous thing to do to ask the United States for help, though, because once you get the help, then they're going to tell you how you're going to run your country after that, and they're liable to tell you that yeah. anyway. Yeah, the people there just need to find a way to be able to protect themselves and their property, and so they—I mean—they've got a lot of people on their back. And the, you yeah. know, I did not know this until I started recently researching the history. You know, that it really started when Israel was created as a nation back in the forties right. by force. Yes. That's so what that, it all boils down to. I mean, people don't want to look at it that- in, our, in our time. People don't want to accept it. They'll say things like Palestine wasn't a nation, and that it's true. Palestine was just a portion of the Ottoman Empire. Um, you know, that was basically uh, I think there was a, a subgroup after World War One, and then England around World War Two created the the nation of Israel and and that kind of thing. But it you know the, it does it does it really matter that there wasn't a nation previously in that same spot with a straight lines drawn around it and all that stuff? Because I don't think it does. Um, I think what really matters is there were people there that uh, you know felt like they had. Uh, you know, some level of control of their lives, and that level of control was diminished, and they're upset about it. You know, I mean, the the Indians here in the United States didn't have little lines drawn around their areas either, but they were no no one would cl- claim that they were treated particularly well. Ty, thanks right, for the call. Anyway, that's, 
Thank you. Yep. 855-450-3733. You can call in with whatever you'd like to talk about. So speaking of people who are getting the short end of the stick in a lot of cases, let's uh, go back to this story about the um, the illegal immigrants getting run out of uh, Alabama here, Allie. Is there any, any did you did you get rid of the the story? Do you have it? No, up? I I still have the story. Yeah. Um. Okay. So last segment we read we talked about the illegal immigrants um getting having leaving Alabama because there's this new law that they've passed um which is the harshest in the nation uh basically um making contracts with illegal immigrants unenforceable allowing state and local police officers to um ask for immigration papers at traffic stops uh, and also having schools check for immigration papers um, from from students. Yeah. Um, I imagine that makes a really great learning environment if you're uh, you know concerned that you or your parents are going to be deported at any time. Right. And so problems we talked about with this law are just that um, it what it's doing is there are a lot of places in Alabama where they rely heavily economically on the labor that Hispanics provide there. Um, it, pretty much anywhere you go in Alabama, there's going to be uh, some some industry that needs the labor. Uh, sure, I mean there's a lot of a lot of southern states, especially it seems like, and and western states have a a great deal of their their you know a lot of their a lot of industries will rely on uh, immigrant labor, and some of that immigrant labor is uh, you know they ch- don't check the papers so well, and. You know, the question is, is do you want to create a situation for small business people where they've got to essentially hire another person out in order to check the legal status of everybody who comes and goes? And is this social security number good or is it bad? You know, because the Social Security Administration really does benefit from people paying in with bad numbers and uh, paying into the system. So they're probably not checking real hard. Well, why even know. hire brown people if you're going to have to do all that? Just right. right. Creates- and where are the lines of vans with people in the rest of the country looking for jobs right right yeah where are the the white folks uh lined up at home depot in order to get jobs i'll hire john not juan <laughs> right let's call give us a call at 855-450-3733 you talk about illegal immigration or anything 855-450-3733 on free talk live do you want to take back control of your own money then take a look at bitcoin bitcoin is the world's first decentralized anonymous internet currency and It's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit weusecoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. Fifty-five, four fifty-three. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Tuesday night edition of Free Talk Live with Mark, Nemi, and Allie. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It is a toll-free call. So, um, for those that have been listening to the show for a while, you know that uh, I'm going to be going on a cruise here in the early part of November, and it looks like a roommate has become available. So, if you were interested in going on this cruise and you felt like you missed the deadline, that kind of thing, um, the the opportunity has uh, popped up again. And as I understand, I announced it a couple of nights ago. As I understand it, the room is uh, still available. I'm not 100% sure on it, but uh, go to cruise.com. 
freetalklive.com. And, uh, you know, they've, they've, they, I think you can reserve online. At the very least, you can call the telephone number there at cruise.freetalklive.com. It, uh, this cruise will be with me, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and Stefan Molyneux. There'll be some speeches, but mostly it'll be Liberty folks hanging out and doing what they want in sort of a uh, decentralized fashion. It's cruise.freetalklive.com. Should be a lot of fun. All right, Ellie. Apparently, the uh, the hits just keep on coming out of Alabama. Alabama is just tyrannical all of a sudden after I left. They're just like, all right, we can get away with whatever we want. Yeah, they just started when you left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great when I was there. Just kidding. Okay, so this story is out of is from therawstory.com. It's by Davis Edwards. It's Alabama town to offenders. Go to church or go to jail. It says, um, small town of Baymanette, Alabama is telling people convicted of small crimes to choose Jesus or choose jail. Starting this week, the city judge will implement Operation Restore Our Community. Oh, boy. Operation Restore Our Community. That has to be like something nice and peaceful. <laughs> well, I guess it's, you know, jail isn't. If I had to choose between church and jail, I'd probably would I'd pick probably church too. Choose, yeah, choose church, which gives misdemeanor, misdemeanor offenders a choice between fines and jail, or fines and jail, or a year of Sunday church services. Operate- Who's going to sign off on this? The preacher? Hey, preacher, can you sign my slip that right. I was here? This sounds disturbing. Oh, I'm like sorry, AA. you were you were sleeping. <laughs> I think it says it says um, right. I, hold on, before we go. On. So the one requirement for membership of AA. Is a desire to stop drinking. And only the court system could mess up something as simple as AA. <laughs> the, only th- the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. So what do they do? They send people who have no desire to stop drinking to AA and force them to go, consequently screwing up the whole program for the people who do want to be there. Yeah, NA is another one of those organizations that... Uh, I don't know if it's inherently Christian, but they're definitely, uh, you have to have some kind of God. Uh, they talk about God a lot. So, so yeah, if- they, they have a, uh, they talk about a higher power and they have a section in their books aimed at atheists and agnostics, but, uh, it's been found by numerous state and, and the Supreme court as, um, as a religious organization. Has it? Okay. I'll, I'll take your word so, for yeah. it. I, I would agree that it has certainly has a religious element to it. It says, um, Operation Restore Our Community resulted from meetings with church leaders. Mm. <laughs> um, I wonder surprise, if any, surprise. What about the t- temple leaders and the, the, the synagogue leaders and the, um, what do they call those places those Muslim fellows go? They don't have synagogues in Alabama. Well, oh, they do. They've got to have not, some. Not in Baymanette, probably. Right. And this is really the problem is, is that just because they don't have a synagogue doesn't mean you're not Jewish. And just because they don't have a, um, a mosque doesn't mean you're not a Muslim. And just because they don't have a Quaker meeting house doesn't mean that I'm not Quaker. So are you telling me that I have to go to some other church and receive the real Jesus, whatever this other person believes what that is, in order to get out of going to jail? I mean, because obviously people are going to take this, but what this is, is this is a tried and true endorsement of certain types of religions. Also, let's talk about the atheists who don't believe this crap at all and, and what it must be like for them see i would i would choose jail and i would sue (laughs) i think that you might win Uh, unfortunately baymanette alabama probably can't afford to pay you anything 
Un- the, yeah, that's not. It's not likely that well, they would go just tax it. somebody. I'll, for I'll it. take my uh, my payment in rotting crops, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Says uh, Baymanet Police Chief Mike Rowland told the Alabama Press Register. It was agreed by all the pastors that the core of the crime problem was the erosion of family values and morals. We have children raising children and parents not instilling values in young people. Critics charge the program. Critics charge the program is unfair to some minority religious groups because of the 56 participating churches in this one town. None are mosques or synagogues and atheists have no choice but to compromise their beliefs or go to jail. There you go. So um, this brings me to uh, a portion of my life which is uh, less than less than exciting less than in, um, you know exciting for me to talk about. It is the fact that I went to prison. Um, you know, I committed a crime when I was 17 years old. I was, uh, you know, I I didn't. It was a, it was murder, and I didn't kill anybody, but I was there committing a crime, which will put you in the wrong side of the law no matter what. And I would contend that I got into crime in general when I was a kid because I came to the conclusion that the Bible was a bunch of lies. I was taught sort of your standard, you know, issue stuff along the way that, uh, you know, Noah built a big, big boat that was uh, three football fields long and uh, five stories tall. Some people will call it a box, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, an ark is, is one in one case, an ark is certainly a box. And so maybe the ark is a box. I don't know. But I, you know, didn't believe this story. It sounded like a bunch of uh, poppycock. And as time went by, I b- believed less and less any of the stories that I was uh, told in Sunday school and church and uh, Christian school. And since my moral foundation was founded in believing in the Bible, then when I no longer believed in the Bible, my moral foundation went away. If I would have been taught that morality works for morality's sake, that the universe will work better for you if you act in a moral fashion, then more than likely I would have continued to act in a moral fashion. But I hadn't been taught that. I had been taught you've got to be good or you're going to go to hell. And then I then I realized, well, heck, there's no hell. There's no heaven. There's no none of this stuff. And, you know, whatever you, know, whatever you believe about it or not, that doesn't change that that's how it was for me at the time. So I would contend that it was being taught Christianity that erode, eroded my uh, values. Mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, when I used to be Christian uh, and I decided to stop believing, I became this nihilist and didn't believe in love or any of these silly little ideas that are don't, you know, that there's no concrete evidence for at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I it's a big uh, issue people throwing the baby out with the bathwater when sure. they realize that they've been lied to about one thing and they throw everything out and um yeah well, the way i saw it uh, at the time and, and remember i didn't i just didn't i wasn't taught morality for morality's sake i i didn't know this stuff but um you know it, it really is the easiest and best way to work through the world and uh, but, but what i saw was well you know if it's not the Bible, then all I've got left is National Geographic, you know, the uh, the predator eating the prey and, um, you know, all that other stuff. That's all I had left. So why not be the predator? Why be the prey? And that's where I ended up. Um, is there anything left to the article? Um, it just goes on. It has this great quote by Pastor Robert Gates. Um, he says, you show me somebody who falls in love with Jesus and I'll show you a person who won't be a problem to society. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to the Catholics. 
Well, you mean all throughout the the history? Are you talking about oh, all the the goodness. problems? What's yes. That? Yes. Yes. <laughs> or any of the other terrible people I know that or that I've seen that are these crazy Christians that do terrible things and they're huge problems in society. Like, I mean, they uh, lots of people will commit actual crimes of the victims in God's name for Jesus. Supposedly, you could argue like a you know someone who who um, is a Christian and is peaceful could say, well, then they're not really following Jesus. They're following something sure. else. And I, they might very well be right, but they do it in the name of Christianity, which gives the whole religion a bad um, tempia. Um, tempia? I'm not exactly sure how that word's pronounced. Anyway, um, it gives them a, 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 you know, a bad name. And, well, you know... I, I I think that to some extent it's uh, there's not a lot of differentiation out there, and as I understand it, the Bible basically said that uh, you know p- many of the Christians are going to be led astray, and that only a few of them are going to have the right way. And of course, everybody always thinks it's their way that's the right one, uh, which uh, leads you to the situation where well, we've just got to kill these uh, abortion doctors because uh, you know we know the right way. So so what do you think should be Explain to people who might be in this town where they're going to make this the new M.O. What What's going to happen to their church if this becomes the law? Well, I don't think it... Maybe if it went long enough, it might have some detrimental effect to their church. But I think really what it's going to have a detrimental effect for is their taxpayers. Yeah. Um, I think that yeah. Nimi nailed this uh, within the first 30 sued. seconds. <laughs> you could probably sued. find some good drugs on Sunday. Might very well be. You know, you get the, uh, the unsavory sorts into church. It's true. I, I remember they tried to kick me out of my church uh, because I, they didn't. I'd... When the power goes out for any length of time, you've got problems, starting with food that's going bad, even in the freezer. No communications, living by candlelight or flashlight, it's a bad place to be. The solar flare cycle is heating up and has already done damage to the grid. NASA and NOAA tell us that next year and in 2013, it will take down large sections of the grid for days or weeks at a time. Hurricanes and floods also cut power for several days or weeks. You can protect yourself now. The SG-1 solar generator by Sound Wisdom produces 5,000 watts of household current, comes with 230 amp hours of battery, 220 watt solar panels, and a built-in battery maintainer desulfator. This is the only portable system you can add as many batteries or solar panels as you like. It will also convert power from windmills, water wheels, DC welders, or gas generators, any source of 12-volt DC power. See it now at freetalklivesolar.com. Technicians are standing by now to answer your questions even during the Sunday night show. FreeTalkLiveSolar.com Eight fifty-five, four fifty-three. That's a sacred toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. On Free Talk Live, we open up the phone lines, let you call in, but talk about whatever you want to talk about. Do the same thing on the website. You can post, uh, or excuse me, link to blog posts or news stories that you think are important that other people will like. They can vote the story up, vote it down. You can do it the same with their submissions. It's freetalklive.com. It's Mark with you. Nemi. And Allie. And let's go to Giggin and Concord. Giggin, you there? I am here. Excellent. So what can we do for you? 
Uh, I was listening to the podcast from last night, and you guys were talking about one of the demands of the Wall Street protesters was that all debt be forgiven, and it seemed like it was a unilateral thing, all debt for everybody. Yeah, it seemed like it was uh, all, but, all debt everywhere. Before you go on, Gigan, did you have trouble with the audio from last night? Was it uh, skipping all over the place? Uh, yeah, I did find that to be the case. Okay, go ahead. Hopefully we're going to get that uh, so fixed. Anyway, okay, uh, so anyway, about the debt... Um, I was thinking of how that, that idea it seemed kind of unique, like I hadn't really heard of it before, except uh, that it was in Fight Club. It was in the film more than the book. And okay. so I thought that was a, a really strange example of uh, art imitating life or life imitating art. Yeah, it's, it was kind of a spin-off of the, uh, the Wiz- I don't know if you ever saw the movie Wisdom with uh, uh, Emilio Estevez. And um, he came. He went as sort of a bank robber, but in the process, he would destroy all the mortgage notes. Uh, remember, this was written in the '80s when we didn't have computer doors to handle all that stuff. And um, so, you know, essentially, people were were cheering him on until I guess somebody got shot in some kind of holdup, um, and then you know turned it all around. And it was a story about how violence doesn't work. But yeah, so um, yeah, you're right. In in Fight Club, they were going after the banks in some way. Right, yeah, the idea was to blow up all the credit card companies so there'd be more, no more debt. Uh, in the book, they were definitely doing a sort of different schema because I think they were trying to destroy museums and, like, eliminate history. Okay. And which debt, in a sort of way, is like eliminating financial history. Makes uh, some sense. So, yeah, I, I think it's a very unique idea. I mean, the, the consequences of the economic consequences would be... Uh, I don't. I don't think they would really do that much. If you think of rich people have debt too, the supposed one percent that uh, the protest seems to be focusing on, like they they'll have liabilities and companies, and the banking system is so like so corrupted and so so complex that I don't really think uh, the idea of coming up with one necessary solution to this will be the thing we do, except of course getting rid of things like the Fed and the banking laws and the whole government system of banking. Well, I, yeah, I mean, to me, eliminating I, – I understand why they would want to eliminate debt if they have a bunch of debt. I would like to eliminate my debt specifically. Um, I get it. Um, <laughs> I think the best way to eliminate your debt is to just go ahead and pay it off, um, you know, that causes uh, you know the least amount of heartache. But, you know, I, I, it, to me what it says is it's, it, it's an intrusion on property rights. I mean, if I've got something and I wanted to loan it to you, Gigan – I should be able to do that. And if I want to loan it to you in order to and, and get paid a little bit for loaning it to you, there's nothing wrong with that. We call that rent. But when that thing that I loan to you is money, we call it interest. And I'm just imagining if they tried to pass some sort of law or have some sort of thing where they're like, okay, at this point, uh, at, at this day, all debt is going to be erased. Like the government decides that all debt's erased, which they won't ever do because their currency is largely based on debt um what kind of economic incentive does that provide to people as far as taking loans out right this is the uh this is the bailout for the individual and it's going to teach people the same thing it's taught banks i mean what (laughs) you know the i think the bankruptcy system if if you advocate for eliminating debt the bankruptcy system essentially does that and you know these banks should have gone through bankruptcy if they had uh you know some kind of problem and and handled it with their creditors in whatever way shape or form the courts came out with that through these civil courts, which I think the civil courts are far more legitimate than uh, the, the criminal courts, frankly. So, I mean, I, I, eliminating debt doesn't make any sense to me. Gigan? 
I agree. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for the call. Appreciate uh, appreciate you calling in. Oh, by the way, there is an Occupy New Hampshire, so you better uh, keep an eye out for them. They're going to be, I don't know, sitting on, on some somebody's uh, horse farm someplace, occupying the place. I don't know. Oh, perhaps that would be like in Nashville or really close to Massachusetts. Because <laughs> that'll be relevant, right? <laughs> Want to make sure it's really close mind, to Massachusetts. Actually, like if, if New York totally fell to socialism or something like that, I think it might be something that would awaken other states to maybe think more independently and locally in their government rather than having like this federal model that we would need to be governed by some necessary uh, like political uh, things going on in New York. I, you know, I support getting away from the federal model, frankly. So, I, you know, I, I can see some value to that. I suppose you're right. 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call-in line. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. Nimi, you had a story, and um, I want to hear about it. I do. This was actually submitted. It's a Wall Street Journal piece that was submitted to Free Talk Live, I believe, yesterday. Freetalklive.com? Yes, Mm -hmm. freetalklive.com. And it is um, an ongoing story that we're seeing actually here in New Hampshire as well. But I'll start with this story. We can get to the New Hampshire bit a little later. Um, it is the title is the latest crime wave sending your child to a better school and there are several articles of this type on freetalklive.com yeah we've been we've been seeing some we've been talking about this uh, for a while now on for Free a while yeah. right and and the highlights of the story um, a uh, african-american mother of two last year used her father's address to enroll her two daughters in a better public school outside of their neighborhood after spending nine days behind bars charged with felony grand theft. Yeah, we talked about this uh, this lady. The uh, single mother was convicted of the two felony counts. Uh, not only did this stain her spotless record, but it threatened her ability to earn the teacher's license she had been working to. Grand theft That's for right. sending her kids to, uh, to, a different, for, to a better public school. It says here, in the last year, parents in Connecticut can... Kentucky and Missouri have all been arrested and await sentencing for enrolling their children in better public schools outside their districts. You know, and this it, it really, you know, many dist- many school districts have, uh, you know, allow you to do charter schools or pick other schools and all kinds of things. They, they allow some level of choice. Some don't. And I have heard people just be as callous as they could possibly be on this and claim, well, yes, this is stealing. If the government doesn't give you the option to go to another one of these schools, you're stealing from these people. And I have to say, you know, just because it the the law hasn't come around to I frankly think that anybody demanding that I pay to educate their kid is stealing from me, my right, kid. Right. Because my money will go to educate my child if it doesn't go to educate yours. And if you're go- stealing money from me to educate your child, then what are you teaching your child? That it's okay as long as you've got a big enough gang on your side uh, that it's okay to steal from people? I find that wrong. And But if you're going to be in this paradigm and money is going to be stolen from you by some county, in some cases, this is inside the same county, the same organization that's stealing the money and just allocating it to different pockets. And, oh, well, you picked the wrong school district within our county. They've already got your money. It's absolutely ludicrous. Right. And I, I think the the article here goes on. It says these arrests represent two major forms of exasperation. I actually think it's three. But the article goes on here. It says first is that of the parents whose children are zoned into failing public schools. Sure. Imagine how frustrated you would be if you're stuck into some failing uh, public school and, right. and you can't afford to get out. And then there's the exasperation of school officials finding it more and more difficult to deal with these boundering hopping parents. And, and I, I'm, I would add a third to that. I think it's taxpayers who are who are paying their taxes, whether or not they object to it. 
who are who are paying for the education of of kids who don't live in their districts. Sure. I mean, I can imagine how frustrating that is. Um, there's there was a, a situation. As you're in effect, you were telling me of a situation where a friend of of, of yours was having uh, some trouble. You know, they were their their child had been in going to school in one district. They moved, but they wanted their child to continue to go there. And you know, that's where their friends are. That's where they're used to being uh, to to going. Lots of kids. You hear all kinds of stories about how, how disruptive a move can be on a child's education. And you just want the very best for your kid. The government's already taking money from you to, you know, to fund their public schools. And if they, if you end up with the luck of the draw and a crappy one, why, why should you have to go to it? If you've got some answer to this, explain to me why it's okay to send this lady to jail for two felony counts. Please call in at 855-450-3733. It's Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Five five four five zero three seven three three. You call in on Free Talk Live. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's Mark with you. Nemi and Allie. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. It's SACL CAI. They have been – Jason Osborne over there, the principal, has been a big supporter of Free Talk Live for a very long time, and we do appreciate him. You can find their banner at freetalklive.com. It's top one on the right-hand side of the page. SACL CAI. So let's go back to this story about, well, the new crime wave throwing people in jail for sending their kids to better schools. Well, there, the crazy part of this to me is that it says here from the Wall Street Journal again, it's from California to Massachusetts. Districts are hiring special investigators to follow children from school to their homes to determine their oh, true residence and if to decide if they belong at high-achieving public schools. That is yep. the creepiest thing I've ever heard. I'd like to know if they're doing background checks for child molesters. <laughs> you, you know, really. because it, Well, TSA that... has had some real problems with this. Apparently, there's been uh, quite a few uh, rapes among TSA agents and, and stuff, uh, you know, rapists among TSA agents. And, you know, I mean, what, what better position for somebody who's right. kind of creepy and weird to get into? Well, even um, public schools, like, uh, don't... I remember there is... This one story that I heard on Free Talk Live about the school uh, that had the laptops that the, was te- the, the yeah. teachers could yeah. see the students on. My yeah. the school I'm from Auburn, Alabama, in Auburn, Alabama, could would uh, have the laptops they'd give to students, and then they would, uh, you know, recycle them and stuff. But 
Yeah, exactly. That freaked me out hearing that story because I was in school at the time. Uber just, creepy. Yeah. Yeah, Uber creepy. Really creepy. And, and there's there's a story recently out of New Hampshire and Maine as well that they have a school bus driver who's been who's been molesting special needs kids on his bus. You know, so if they're not doing background checks and there are creepy things like active cameras going on, I, I just want to know who are these special investigators who are following kids home from school? Right. And has the government done its due diligence? And at what point, um, you know, I mean, we, the, the fact is we know that the government is really bad at due diligence. It doesn't it doesn't have responsibilities for its actions. So, you know, I, the chances are good that they haven't done that. Also, how effective is this? How many times do they follow a kid home? I mean, I have when I was growing up, we used my grandmother's address for um you know where i lived because i my because i didn't want to go to we my mom didn't want to send me to and i didn't want to go to the public school that was uh that we were zoned for and you know but how many kids go to grandma's a few days out of the week in order to uh, be babysat so maybe they're going to the wrong district i i'm just i'm just trying to imagine maybe grandma's is out in the wrong district they're driving a car there i mean in high school co- students this happens um they go to work afterwards i'm just thinking this is a big waste of people's money s- sending you know in private investigators hunting all over hill and dale for who might be uh illegally at some school or another absolutely and also it it raises the question of of legal residency and defining it i know here in Keene we've we've had some issues with with voting and schools and um uh, with Keene state especially it's yeah. qualifying for in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition what actually qualifies as residency like you're saying, Mark, if you're staying with your grandmother three or four nights a week, or if you're from a, a split home where your dad lives in one house or your mom lives in another, where exactly, where do the, where's the line? Yeah. Like, you know, there's an interesting place that's not too far from here. Uh, I think it's called, uh, shoot, I'm thinking it's uh, Hinsdale, New Hampshire, which is right on the edge of the south, the south, southwestern edge of New Hampshire. So it is essentially touching Vermont and Massachusetts. And it's amazing how transient the population is here in southwestern New Hampshire. Some of them live in Vermont. Some of them live in Massachusetts. They come to work here, uh, you know, and people move all around and just state border to state border. And it's meaningless to them. It doesn't mean, means nothing to them traveling across the state, across the state border. So, you know, people, it, it, you know, they, they change their lifestyles. They move around. I think it's just incredibly difficult. I think the kids, you know, they, there's all kinds of different reasons why people would want to send their kids to better schools or different schools. And, um, you know, their their money's being taken them for them from them already. Why don't we let them go where they want? I, I'm inclined to agree. And, and it says here also that there is, in, in addition to um, special investigators, uh, there's also... Uh, Services like VerifyResidence.com, which provides, quote, the latest in covert video technology and digital photographic equipment to photograph, videotape, and document children going to their to school from their house. School districts. How, what? Yeah. <laughs> I know, Hold on. Right? <laughs> okay, so it's where is this stuff mounted? How does it find out whether they're going to their house or from their house or not? Right. Exactly. And school districts can enroll in the company's rewards program. Get this, which awards anonymous tipsters two hundred and fifty dollars for reporting out of district students. So oh, guess what? God. You can rat out your neighbors. Wow. Okay. So fifty bucks. This is this always brings me back. I remember. 
my mom, uh, sort of asking my mom, what's so bad about the people in the Soviet Union? Now, remember, I'm growing up, I'm 40 years old now, and I was growing up at the end of the Cold War, and the Soviets were bad people in my mind. I didn't know why, I wasn't sure. I knew the Nazis and I knew the Soviets, these were bad people. And as I'm growing up, and I asked my mom, well, what's so bad about them? They're like the Taliban of your day? Essentially. Um, you know, and I didn't know any better than to dislike them. I mean, that's just what I'd heard. And, you know, it's not like I knew anything about international politics. And my mom said, well, there they'll get their children. The government will get the children to snitch on their parents. And this is what the government here is attempting to do now. Sadly, the United States government is turning us into a snitch society. And this is what governments really do. As they get bigger, they pit interest groups against each other in all kinds of different ways. And this is a direct pitting one group against another. Absolutely. I saw that happen when I was my one year in public school as I was growing up. Three families were um, pretty much torn apart because their kids participated in D.A.R.E. and, oh God. and ratted out their parents because it was wow. for their parents' own good. You know, it, right. And this is what they'll terrible. tell them. This terrible. is what they'll, they'll tell the kids. And, you know, I'd, I'd really question how many drug users arrests have been for their own good. Are they really better off as a result? I'm sure some people, you know, got some small arrest and some kind of small punishment or whatever, and they quit doing drugs forever and ever. I'm sure that story is out there. But I think the vast majority of people just pay a fine, lose their kids. Um, you know, they, uh, their life is made more miserable and they don't change how they're living. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, alcohol, marijuana, these are all drugs. Why is one legal, one's illegal? It doesn't make any sense to me. I agree. I agree. And I also, agree. you know, when you think about uh, Rush Limbaugh and his little little drug thing, I mean, this guy's a poster child for responsible drug use. Here he was doing one of the, the big drugs of our time, Oxycontins or whatever. He's doing them on a regular basis, doing his radio program. He's managing to make not just a living, but a fine, fine living and doing drugs on a regular basis. It's not the, the drugs that are the problem in most cases. It's the drug war that makes it so bad. Amen, Mark. 855-450-3733. You can call in and talk about what you want to talk about on Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You're on Free Talk Live. You can give us a call, talk about whatever you want to talk about. It is the live Tuesday night edition with Mark, Nemi, and Allie. On October the nineteenth, let the establishment know that the the people, not the media, will decide the future of this country. Head on over to blackthisout.com to be part of the largest grassroots donation effort in history. This is the first step in getting the government 
out of your life and out of this economy. Again, blackthisout.com today to let the media know that you won't stand by and let your freedom be blacked out. It's blackthisout.com. It's a great idea, and I support it entirely. So, Nimi, we're talking about the high crime of sending your kid to a better school. Please go on. We are. Um, And as you indicated earlier, Mark, this is not something that's new. In fact, this article makes reference to a 1943 novel where it's called A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where a mom wanted to have a better life for her kid. And as we were talking about over the break, it's, you know, um, what is the crime here? And what what to me, the question is, what is the solution? Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, I can see how this works. I mean, the crime is, is that the harm that uh, taxpayers believe that they are being harmed to the tune of, say, $14,000 a year. If you're talking about New Hampshire, that's what they're spending on average for per student. Uh, different states spend different amounts. I remember in Florida, I think it was 7000 per student. Um, it just goes to show you a disparity that's going on there. But in most places, you'll find that you can get a better education um, from a private school for the same amount of money, and that public schools spend it. But, you know, these taxpayers often feel like they're being put upon. And you can absolutely see it in this one instance that um, a friend of mine told told me about. He's uh, involved in local politics. He's And I may have some of the, this information wrong, but I'm, I've got the story really close. There's this kid, and it was in a town nearby. I'm not going to give the name because I don't want um, you know the, this particular family to have any kind of trouble over it. But this this kid was severely mentally handicapped, severely. I mean, to the point that basically the claim was that he only had essentially a brain stem and you know in a wheelchair, barely cognizant of anything, and they spent. Oh, $150,000 a year educating this kid, which is 10 times, more than 10 times what they'd spend on other kids. And at the end of all this education where the taxpayers have been you know, strung out for, what, $2 million or something like that, they'll finally have a kid that may live to 25 and, and you know, if he's lucky, be able to tell the difference between light and dark. Um, you know, I mean, so they're not getting anything for this education. And you can imagine what this has got to be like for the other people in that town, some of whom have no kids, don't intend to have any kids, some of whom's kids have uh, gone through school and their kids didn't have laptops when they went through. Uh, you know, some of them, I've got kids, I've got a kid. I homeschool my kid. He's only three and a half at this point. I could still send him to kindergarten if I wanted to. But I wouldn't give these people my kid for nothing in the world. I do not trust these people with my child. (laughs) So they're never going to get him. And every dollar they take from me, they're taking from my child. And that's what's really disgusting about it. Oh, we'll provide you with great education. The education we decide your kids should have. The right education. And it's creepy and sick. And I, I think to to kind of downsize your example of of the the brainstem hundred and fifty thousand dollars two million dollars yeah. there's a real culture in the public school system now where everyone has an individualized education plan so you you get special individualized care to the tune of an additional ten to fifty thousand dollars a year and and your neighbors are paying for that mm-hmm. you're not paying for that and it. Is, is in the it, public schools, it, you can get individualized education? In New Hampshire, absolutely. Mm. Um, if you're coded for special education in New Hampshire, you you are fast-tracked to, quote-unquote, services that, that will be beneficial to you. As certain school districts have figured out um, faster than other school districts that they're really the best way. This is the same the same idea behind putting people in jail is the same idea between behind educating them this way. If they 
figure out a kid is special needs. And, you know, maybe that means they don't pay attention. They got to go potty too often. Whatever it is that they might decide special needs means. Anger management. Right. Anger management. <laughs> um, they, well, suddenly that kid goes from being worth $14,000 a year to the school district to be worth $50,000 a year to the school district. All they have to do is say, this kid's special needs. And then nobody wants to say, oh, no, they're not special needs or special needs. Kids don't deserve this kind of money or whatever. Um, you know, what What are the private sc- school kids doing? Um, you know, what are the private schools doing with these kids that might be called special needs in other schools? I'm not saying there's not legitimate special needs kids out there. There certainly are. But I would be willing to bet that more than half of them at this point, at least in this state, are not what we would have called special needs maybe a decade ago or uh, two decades ago. I think that it's Absolutely gotten way not. out of hand. Right. Absolutely. And so I, I would I would posit that the actual bigger crime is not the, the $150,000 um, brain dead person we're trying to to educate yeah. it's the the widespread twenty five thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars for special ed for for kids who just are having problems socializing you know or are sent to a smaller school because they they have problems taking criticism you know you know in in these towns i've I've talked to people who um you know in in my town i guess they don't have as as big of an issue i think i think there is a kid that uh is called special needs or something like that and gets more money but um you know it it would be so much cheaper for the town if they just said uh, you look they go up to they you know somebody goes up to the 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 person the mom and dad and says look we'll give you fifty thousand dollars sell your house and move to the next town over and, I mean, this is how the government works to pit neighbor against neighbor. I mean, these people, I'm sure, are fine folks. I have no idea. I mean, I, these are fictitious people to my mind. But I'm sure they're fine folks, but you want to get them out of your town because their kid has been called special needs for whatever whatever reason. And it, 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 it you have to pay to send them to school. And it's sick and weird, and it, it is completely unsustainable. So please go on. So there are other there are several articles linked on this topic, and and the other one that really struck me is a homeless mom is charged for false address. Okay. So, register- so how could a homeless mom have a false address, right? Well, right. So she's, <laughs> she has she's, no address. She's splitting her time between a friend's house and and a shelter in her car, but okay. she used her babysitter's address for her son to go to a school in Connecticut. All and right. She was brought up. On- so if her baby's if her, if her son is being is spending a certain amount of time at this house, who's to say it's not his residence? Right. right? We get the, and, and that gets us back to the the residency requirement question. What but, is a residence? Plus, plus if she's um. If she's homeless and say she doesn't have her child enrolled in any school, then aren't they going to arrest her for not educating her exactly. child? Like, sure. what? How is what are her what is her option? What she's, is her legal option? She's, she's damned if she does and damned if she right. doesn't. Really, well, the system is set up so that people people that are homeless have no legal options. Right. You know, I mean, that's the that's really the intent um, or the or the outcome. I don't know if it's the intent. It's the outcome. So she this this particular lady was charged with uh, first degree larceny for stealing $15,686 in education funds from Norwalk, Connecticut school district. Right. So she's been charged with stealing from the school district for sending her kid to the same to the school that was within the district of the babysitter that the kid was at. So the closest person uh, that to the child that she had that had an address, she sent the child to this address and now she's uh, you know put in jail for larceny. Right. Okay. So where's the kid go? You right. know, right. So in probably, a foster care, Mark. Probably foster care <laughs> in the same district that he was going previously, and now he can go to that school. It's crazy. It's absolute insanity. 
And this is also funny because it's, uh, you know, the, what the government is providing in the public schools is not a service. It's, it's, I mean, it's called a service, but the service that they are providing is not done on a voluntary basis. So basically, uh, based on my experience, public schools and just the course of nature of all of it, it's basically prison. So to try to make it sound like she's stealing a service, which is supposed to be public, by sending her kid to school there when it's not, you know, if it was a private school and she sent her son there and used fraud in order to get him there, that would be theft. But this is government. This is not. This is not theft. Well, you know, it's uh, it, it's a difficult conundrum for this this poor lady. Um, if, if you've got some solution for her, eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It seems to me the the government put her in a no win situation. Eight fifty five four fifty free free talk live. Hello, my friends, and welcome to a 30-second edition of Verbal Surgery. I'm your verbal surgeon, Tim A. Cummins, here to radiate your brain for maximum gain. And let me tell you, my friends, get on to the verbalsurgery.com train. Come check it out. Listen to this podcast, and you will feel better right now because you are awesome. Looking forward to seeing you at verbalsurgery.com. Take it easy, baby. Awesome. SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. For those of you who uh, listen to the show and have listened for quite some time, you know that our uh, you know first seat guy, Ian Freeman, has he's on day 56 of the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up. Hopefully he will be out within, I don't know, soon, within 10 days, certainly. We don't know exactly when, but um, hopefully it will be soon. Looking forward to uh, getting him back here in the... The main seat, it is Mark with you. Nemi. And Allie. And you can call in and talk about what you want at 855-450-3733. What if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were all moving to one state in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you can be part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. If you care about liberty and the future of your family and this nation, check out the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. All right, so going back to the uh, the, the story here where the government's uh, pitting neighbor against neighbor by trying to throw people in jail for sending their kids to the better of the, the, the public school options, I, I find this to be such a difficult topic because... The government is so ensconced in education. It's not right that somebody who isn't paying into, say, one school district sends their kid to that school district. I get it. But chances are extraordinarily good, almost impossible for them not to be paying into another school district. Or at the very least, um, in some of these really extreme cases, 
people are sending their kids to one school in, uh, you know, sending to a better school in a school uh, district. Uh, I guess it's not district in the right term. You know, so like a county will have several districts. They're paying their money into the county, and the county wants them to go to one school. They're going to another school, and then they're charging these people with larceny and theft and felonies uh, for sending their kids to better schools. And this is just a mixed up, convoluted system that requires people to, uh, you know, be at each other's throats, and it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant at all. In fact, it it goes even farther than that. In the story we were talking about before the break about the babysitter who was helping out a homeless woman and her six-year-old son by letting them use her address in Connecticut. She was evicted. She was evicted from her public housing for her role in in helping the babysitter was. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. So now we have two homeless folks and a six-year-old. Right. Everybody's let's let's put everybody on the street. And we don't know how um, and we don't know whether this babysitter has kids or not either. That, that's a good point. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing public housing that has that I have children sound to it. They, they've certainly held them out as an example to others. And, and it's I just I don't understand what what this serves at really. I mean, the money, as you say, Mark, the money is already gone. The money has already been taken to pay for this kid's education. But what? Who does it serve to arrest a homeless woman? It's obvious that she needs, she needs to educate her son. As Ali pointed out, she's she's damned if she does and damned if she doesn't. She's going to jail either way. Right? You know, I mean, where is her home if she's homeless? That's right. I mean, it, it seems like the babysitter is just as good of a place to uh, pick as anything else. Uh, you know, as an address. I, I don't see how she stole from the people of Norwalk, Connecticut, and I. It, this is. This is frightening, and this is happening across the country. I suppose the argument could be made that that she's stealing because that money, if it wasn't spent on him, would be would be returned to the taxpayers. But I, th- I think that argument's pretty hollow. Another thing I wanted to point out was that a lot of times, because I know we're calling it having your child educated, um, a lot of times these it's it's a poor excuse for an education. While all these public schools offer, so what you're really choosing between is babysitters and daycare attendees and like basically it's you're choosing between the safety of a school not necessarily the value of the education that's too much to even be thinking about a lot of times you're just thinking is my child safe attending this school and if you're not safe attending this school then i'm going to do whatever i can to get them into the safer of the schools you know and you can't, can't blame a parent for that either now this is you bring up a really important point here Allie, and the numbers as i have read them on a national scale uh, public schools are kicking and and how how are we go, how am i going to give you uh, numbers on your local scale but on a national scale public schools are kicking out students that on uh, 20% of students that are functionally illiterate they cannot read and do, uh, you know, sort of regular math. And if they're not do, if the public school can't do that twenty percent of the time, what's the worst we could do by getting rid of public schools? I mean, if are, are you telling me that eighty percent of parents out there wouldn't, uh, or I guess I should say, are you telling me that more than twenty percent of parents out there wouldn't send their kids to school? Because I think of when I think of my son, I think of the most important and most valuable thing that I have in this whole wide world, and there's no way I would ever let him go uneducated because it's so important. And I think that the vast majority of people feel this way. Certainly, there are people out there that feel that school is uh, a waste of time and that people should get to work or what. Whatever. I don't know exactly what they they think, but could we do any worse than 20 percent functionally illiterate? 
I, to me, this is this is the claim for keeping public schools going. If we don't have public schools, everybody will be dumb. And uh, you know, <laughs> everybody already is dumb. That's the, that's the yeah, point, pretty much, right? Pretty much. Even the ones that walk out of public school and that can read are. You know they're 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 uh, coddled and brainwashed to the point that they can't even think for themselves. They think that the government is the only organization that can provide for them, and why shouldn't they? They've had thirteen years of well, look, it's okay to steal from people, and as long as you're doing it for a good reason. I mean, they're told all kinds of mixed up, stupid, weird messages from public school, and you know it seems to me. That this solution has proven itself to not work. We're, we've gotten to the point that now the public schools and the teachers unions have figured out if they just they can get a whole bunch more money by calling everybody a special needs student. And it's going to bring this whole house of cards crashing down. There's already a bumper sticker that says something like it. It takes a school to break a village. And pretty much it really does the the town that I live in. And I, I know that most surrounding towns here in in Keen, in the Keene area in the Monadnock region of New Hampshire, it's 70 percent, 80 percent. Sometimes it's certainly more than 60 percent of the town budget just for schools, mm-hmm. just for schools. And most of the people new hampshire is a state where they call it um you know it's an aging state most of the people here are old and don't have kids how much do you how much would you say like family budget would go to providing for your child like what percentage i have i, I couldn't even I, I couldn't even come up to to say because we you know buy educational videos and stuff but most of the education that jack gets is things like um stories and he has this flashcard set that uh, came with the baby reading kit at babyreadingkit.com which if you have a child i recommend this highly um he can he can read uh, it was amazing um yesterday i think it was my wife had on one of her marathon shirts she runs marathons and stuff because apparently her life isn't bad enough she has to add running <laughs> marathons to it to make it even more miserable but um you know so she uh she had this and and on the back i guess it was sponsored by american express blue and he pointed up to the 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 shirt and said blue and she said, do I have something blue on my shirt? And I said, no, it's the word. And wow. he's just point. I mean, he can he can read the colors and all kinds of different other words out there just because we spend a lot of time with him. He's very interested in books. Different kids are interested in different things. And I'm not saying that, you know, other people's kids who aren't interested in, in reading in the same way aren't. But we, you know, we focus on these things. And I understand that there are families that aren't going to focus, uh, focus in the same way that we do. Right. Yeah. And. It, it just goes to show that different different children di- learn at different speeds. And like you were saying um, about having in New Hampshire, apparently they individualize. They can. They can. I'm for individualizing education. Sure. And everyone technically has special needs as far as sure education goes. See, that's where I well, think it's going. What we're saying is the bureaucracy behind it is obviously messing the idea up. Right. But that's that's why... I'm for privatizing education because everyone has individual needs. There's a private school just around the corner from me that uh, the tuition is like fifteen hundred. I think they just raised it to like seventeen hundred and fifty dollars a year. Seventeen hundred and fifty dollars a year. They spend fourteen thousand dollars per student on average. That's kindergarten through high school. And you can imagine high school students cost more um, here in New Hampshire. And you can get for a tenth of that a private education 
education where there is you know there's one teacher and i think it's 15 students where can you get that in public school and the, also you'll get the uh, the special the the superior education of of kids older kids teaching younger kids so the older kids learn better i mean when you're teaching somebody you learn that um, information in the the most concrete way and so you have that added advantage. The older kids are learning it through teaching, and the younger kids are getting even more specialized, right. uh, uh, you know, focus on them. This this could be done everywhere if people wanted it, but no, it, we've got to let the government take care of it, and it costs ten times as much. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. You can call in and tell me that we're going to bring the, an apocalypse up. And now it's time for the Leadership Radio Minute with tips and advice on how to maximize your own leadership potential. Here's international leadership expert and New York Times best-selling author, John C. Maxwell. I have yet to meet a person who doesn't enjoy and benefit from encouragement. A great example of this can be found in the lives of two talented authors and teachers, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. When Tolkien was writing The Lord of the Rings, he became discouraged. Lewis continually encouraged his friend to keep writing. In later years, Tolkien acknowledged how much of a difference Lewis's positive input had made upon him. He wrote, The unspeakable debt I owe him cannot be fathomed. For a long time, he was my only audience. If you become the chief encourager of the people on your team, they will work hard and strive to meet your positive expectations. For the Leadership Radio Minute, I'm John C. Maxwell. For more information on how to maximize your own leadership potential, please visit johnmaxwell.com. True leadership isn't a matter of having a certain job or title. In fact, being chosen for a position is only the first of the five levels every effective leader achieves. In his new book, The Five Levels of Leadership, leadership expert and New York Times bestselling author John C. Maxwell helps you to become more than the boss people follow only because they're required to. He gives advice on how to grow further, achieve results, and build a team that produces. The Five Levels of Leadership, the newest book from John C. Maxwell, is available wherever books are sold. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Call in and talk about what you want. And this is a note to the board up. Um, I just clicked on the screen here. It updated, and I've got three calls, four calls, excuse me, that I didn't see this whole time. So uh, to the callers that have been on hold for up to twenty eight minutes here, I, my apologies. And to the board oh, up, wow. something weird happened here. Um, anyway, let's go to this is Mark uh, Nemi. And Allie. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Let's go straight to the phones with Anthony in New Mexico. Anthony, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Thanks, Mark. Excellent. I uh, love the show so far. I'm loving the gorgeous beauties in, in the studio. That's Thanks. right. The, uh, the, the cam has benefits this evening at cam.freetalklive.com. <laughs> yes, I'm watching. Um, but anyway, I was just wondering if you guys knew about the Occupy the Fed movement that has just begun. Yes, I've 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 heard that apparently it is a uh, t- to some extent a response to some folks in the Occupy Wall Street movement that may be a bit more um, you know socialist than others. I don't know. I mean, I I hate to uh, to lump everybody in, but last night on the show we we certainly talked about some some of the more socialist wing of the Occupy Wall Street movement. 
No, you're exactly right. Uh, basically, this is a libertarian response to a socialist trend that's happening there, but there are libertarians in the crowd. You may have seen them on YouTube. Sure. There was a man ranting about the Federal Reserve in the middle of the the mix at Occupy Wall Street the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, do have a, a huge thing happening, though. In Dallas, if you near live near Texas, go to the Federal Reserve, Friday, October 7th, 6 p.m. It's 2200 North Street, Pearl Street, I'm sorry, in Texas. And, uh, and I know you'd, you... Is it the same me, time around the nation? I mean, is everybody going at the same time? Because there's Federal Reserves all over the United States, not just Dallas. And um, yeah. is it all going on at the same time? Is it? I mean, because I don't know anything about Occupy the Fed other than, you know, I've heard the word today, or the words today strung together. Is there some kind of website where people can go and uh, find out more? I know you and Ian have in the past disagreed with Alex Jones, but he is sort of the man behind this uh, movement. Uh, the Dallas Federal Reserve doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. I tend to. Uh, I've heard that he's calling the uh, the Occupy Wall Street folks plants by the New World Order. Now I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time going through his show. I've just heard this, you know, th- through the through the grapevines and the sort of Liberty News um, areas. And if he's he's doing that, I think he's if he's doing that, I don't think that all these people are plants by the New World Order. Maybe, you know, it's possible there's some agents provocateur, but I suspect these are just people that are fed up and have been taught all along that socialism is the answer, and that's what they think is the answer is. No, Mark. Everyone that disagrees with me is part of the New World Order. That's, that's what right. I determined. You, you <laughs> Allie knows. You guys let me talk for just one second. Look, at Alex Jones <laughs> is right about... Uh, a certain portion of the group being funded by sort of George Soros and sort of these Tide Foundation types that come in, but it's not all them, okay? There's there's Ron Paul types there. There are. Now, wait a second, Anthony, though. I mean, the way that this, this is a convoluted way to say things. People will say that Free Talk Live is funded by the Koch brothers because no, – What's Come that? on, I don't think that. Well, b- b- no, that's you don't think that because you agree with many of the things we say, Anthony. However, people that disagree will dismiss the things that we say by trying to find somebody, somebody that we're funded by that they disagree with, that, that they can vilify. And this is the same kind of thing that's being done, it sounds like, is being done here. We have an advertiser or two that have received Coke money in the past. Um, and so, therefore, people can draw lines. And they can say, oh, well, Jason Sorens, the founder of the Free State Project, who is a founding fun- or is, is a funder of the, the uh, Free Talk Live, was given some money by the Coke Foundation. So, therefore, Free Talk Live is a part of the Coketopus. And they dismiss what we say by saying, oh, well, they're funded by Coke. Right. Well, no, no. I mean, even Alex will defend the Koch brothers and saying that uh, it's sort of a, a minuscule pimple on the old globalist uh, agenda. I mean, it, there's there's no uh, there's no huge conspiracy with the Koch brothers. I don't think. But uh, plus, I don't I don't think the Koch brothers would support Free Talk Live necessarily because I think that they like they'll put up with with you know some libertarian stuff but then it but then at some point they won't support i, I think i, I think there's to, a little bit of censorship that might go on i wouldn't be able to say whether we're too radical for them or not but we're not a not for profit so they're not going to donate give us any money because you know they don't get anything back from it but anyway going back to my initial my initial call i mean 
We're doing an Occupy the Fed just just to show the sort of socialists in the crowd where to, where to actually look. Where, where is the tyranny coming from? It's from the printing of money, the out-of-control inflation. And if you really want to go to the source of the problem, you'll occupy the Federal Reserve. I've got nothing. I've got no problem with uh, you know giving the Fed a little love here in this whole Occupy uh, um, you know paradigm that's going around. I think that the 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 Occupy Wall Street folks have some really good um, ideas that they're seeing a lot of problems out there that uh, you know maybe folks on the right aren't aren't necessarily addressing. At the same time, I think that uh, some of the solutions that I've heard coming out of there is a bunch of crap and um, will result in something far worse than than what has even happened from Wall Street. But, um, you know, I've got to say that I, I think that uh, vilifying people by saying that the, the money's coming from George Soros or, um, or wherever is just a way of not addressing it, 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 it takes away from the point of addressing what they have to say. And it, it you know, it, it just uh, it misdirects. I, well, I understand where you're coming from, but you have to understand, too, that George Soros does fund some of the color revolution happening in Egypt, happening in uh, the, the Middle Eastern countries. It's not just a pure revolution. There's there's money behind it. I would, where- Anthony, I would fund some of these things if I had the chance. If I had the money and the opportunity, I would fund some of those things because I think that the status quo as it is really, really stinks. Yes, some of these uh, things are going to result in governments that aren't that great for the United States. But frankly, the United States has made its bed by getting uh, by, you know, sleeping with dictators up to this point. My education was funded by a monopoly gang. Does that make me everything I say is null and void because <laughs> I was educated no, 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 I'm, by I'm not, public right. Schools. George Soros is funding certain things in the Middle East to bring about a controlled opposition to basically, you know, the revolution was coming anyway. They're just sort of funding it to make sure that the message is sort of strayed in the right direction. It it's doesn't look like the revolution went anywhere in right. Egypt. All right. it did was go into the hands of the military. I mean, you know, whatever somebody might claim about the Muslim Brotherhood getting in control of Egypt is clearly mistaken. Oh no, Sean Hannity's wrong. I mean, come on. I, I, I come on. What the the military was the right place for George George Soros wanted it wanted the revolution to play into the hands of the military in Egypt, and that's why the revolutionaries are coming back. I don't think this is so easy as let's follow the money. That's what I'm saying. I think that there is a, a, a populist, a genuine populist uprising sweeping the globe. Do these people all have the answers? Heck no, they don't have the answers, but they do know what a lot of the problems are, and no, that's what I see happening. No, I agree. It, it's all about rising food prices. It's all about uh, no jobs. I mean, it, it really is about uh, the central bank sort of creating money out of thin air, and then there's nothing left. Very good. Thank you for, for the call, Anthony. I appreciate it. Let's go to Dustin in Nebraska. Dustin? I heard you don't like borders. I, you know, what can I tell you? Somebody drew a line. Borders went out of business, so we don't have to worry about them. That's right. Borders is out of business. (laughs) Do what? Borders is out of business. It's a bookstore. No, like national borders. (laughs) Okay, so So, go on with your point, please. Do you like borders? Okay, so here's here's my point: is that borders are a good thing in some cases because consider the global like globalization type economy we had a economic downturn in america and it spread all over the world 
and there are uncivilized people in Mexico. Well, that should who be good. Want Dustin, to- hold the line here at 855-450-3733. You've piqued my interest, I can tell you. 855-450-FREE on Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. It's the SACL toll-free call-in line. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about, 855-450-3733. The power grid is unreliable and getting less reliable every day. Solar flares have already caused problems, and next year, according to NASA and NOAA, the sun will cause major outages for days on end, maybe weeks. Jeez. (laughs) <laughs> Sound Wisdom SG-1 solar power generating system can give you the basics in an emergency or be expanded to handle your whole house. It'll take 25, a 25 cubic foot freezer, and that's the really big kind, completely off the grid. Add a few solar panels and batteries and it'll handle your cooking, heating, and water. This is the only system that you can start small and expand up at your own pace, even adding solar panels and batteries that you get from other companies. It can accept the power from a windmill, a water wheel, a DC welder, um, a gas generator, a bicycle generator, anything that produces DC power that can charge a 12-volt battery. The SG-1 will take it, store it, and give it back to you as clean household current. And see it at freetalklivesolar.com. Even on a Sunday night, experts are standing by to answer all your questions. Call for free education. All you have to do is go to freetalklivesolar.com. they got a number there for you, and you can find out more about it. It is a great system. It's freetalklivesolar.com. Let's go back to Dustin in Nebraska. Dustin. Yeah, I guess I can uh, reiterate my two points. And, uh, you know, you guys talk about how you don't like national borders, and I kind of agree with that. But... In the uh, the globalization type economy that we've got in this world, um, I was going to say we had a financial bubble collapse that affected the entire world. Yes, the United States gets a cold. The entire Western world. The claim is the United States gets a cold and the rest of the world catches pneumonia, right? Right. So this would not be so possible if we were, you know, we had more more uh, strengthened borders and national security along the uh, financial lines and stuff like this. So what do you, what do you mean as far as um, tar- high tariffs and stuff in order to keep uh, other products out and that kind of thing? Oh, I don't know. I guess it would uh, be more regulation with foreign entities and foreign governments. How did the un- exactly how did the unregulation, uh, the lack of regulation with foreign entities and foreign governments, cause the financial collapse that occurred in the United States? I guess starting in two thousand and the end of two thousand five. Um, I don't know exactly either what what caused it, but I'll tell I'd say you the housing that bubble the, started it. I don't think, um, like for instance, the Fed would have been able to give foreign banks. Uh, billions or trillions or whatever, if we had 
uh, tougher government regulations on such things. You know, a lot of the banks that uh, are here in this country are um, RBC stands for Royal Bank of Canada. Um, I mean, a lot of them are Canadian banks because they have less regulation up there or something like that um, that uh, cause them to want to do business in the United States. I, I, you know, I've, I, there are several banks that uh, started in Canada and have moved downward. Does that bother you? Um, no, uh, open your business here if you want, but play by our rules. <laughs> so the, you think but their that, rules stu- stunk. So you think that securing borders would have prevented a financial collapse? Uh, I don't know if it would have prevented it, but I'll tell you, uh, you know, in the late 1800s, uh, financial disruptions in America had nothing to do with uh, England's economy. I think that was because in the 1800s, England was the largest um, empire in the world, and the United States was barely a blip on the uh, financial radar. Okay, flip it around. How about uh, England's stock market crash or anything like that? I don't know. Well, the world wasn't as small of a place. The world wasn't as small of a place. They didn't have – the the commerce didn't happen as quickly. We didn't have the interwebs where people could communicate across the globe in a moment's notice, and everybody had uh, cell phones in their pockets. I mean, the fact is that you can do business far more easily now as a manufacturer. You can have uh, your product manufactured, uh, you know, the pieces manufactured in China, moved to uh, Mexico, assembled, moved to the United States, uh, you know, painted and, and whatever, and then put on the, the floor all across the world. And this can be done now, whereas that would have been much more difficult even a few decades ago. All right. So um, I guess my second point for uh, the case for a border, or a strong border, is that we have a very different culture and system of government here in America than they do in Mexico. Can you describe and our culture just, here in America? Because I think your culture in Nebraska might be different than my culture here in New Hampshire. Uh, Maybe the, the culture in, say, Chinatown in New York might be different than the culture in Little Italy. Um, you know, these kind of things. Okay, granted, there's a lot of variation nationwide. but Tell me what our culture the, is, because I don't know what it is. It's kind of a nebulous thing. Yeah that you can't really describe because uh-huh. obviously it, it, it's all over the place it's like uh it's like uh, people's different accents like how do you describe the american accent when you know people from alabama sound different than people from new york well i'm going to wager a guess and say you're saying that our culture is just not mexico period right so well my point is that if we let all these uh you know mexicans come into america they just come over here and, and vote our gun rights away so what, why can't we have strong security? Like, why couldn't we just have it instead of a fence? How about a moat? Uh, uh, do you really think that you're going to create something along the border that's going to stop people from coming? But let me ask you a question, Dustin. Do you know which country the second largest amount of people are here illegally from? Um, I don't know. Uh, Singapore? China. But, you know, it might as well be Singapore. Um, Now, you know what's between China and the United States? Wait a second. China? China. There's a lot of people that live in China. So, I mean, you know, the population of China is significantly larger than, say, Guatemala. Right. But I'd I'd be interested. The last time I looked at stats, it Pull go it ahead up. and pull it up. Pull it up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm talking to, uh, to Dustin. Go, go, if I'm wrong, you go okay. right ahead. But, okay. uh, you know, maybe it's the third or fourth. Okay. But, um, you know, what the point I'm trying to make here is, is there are a lot of people here illegally in this country, Dustin, from China, and they got across something a heck of a lot bigger than whatever moat. I mean, you couldn't dig up the whole country of Mexico, fill it full of water, and make a moat as big as the Pacific Ocean. 
okay, so maybe that's just an argument for stronger uh, port controls. Maybe we should let people who want to work hard and make a better life for themselves, as the as the Statue of Liberty has said, said all along, maybe our problem is giving away a bunch of free crap to a bunch of freeloaders, and our problem isn't making a place where people who work hard and provide for their families and build a better life for themselves and consequently everybody around them. Okay, that's that sounds really nice, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? They're... You're proposing to dig up Mexico. You think it's doable to dig a giant moat between here and Mexico and God knows put border ninjas on there that would uh, protect it or something like that, PT boats with machine guns, God knows what you want, um, in no, order to keep the, the Mexicans from, uh, get, from getting, getting across and maybe getting some uh, you know free schooling in the public schools or something, whatever it takes, you think that's doable, but you don't think it's doable to do away with the welfare system here in the United States in, the, in that it uh, turn it over to private hands that can handle it so much better. No, it's definitely the welfare system is too entrenched. I think uh, a <laughs> moat would be easy, Ba-dum-bum. and you could train some mako sharks with some freaking laser beams on their head. That's what we need. <laughs> I think you just <laughs> like <laughs> moats, honestly. That's what it sounds like to me. He's a shark troll. <laughs> <laughs> They have Legos, man. Four five zero three seven three three. It I'm, took them a while to get the sharks with laser beams on their heads I've in. I've learned something but it's awesome. today, Mark. Thanks for thanks for telling me to go look. Mark Edge, super genius. China number two. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. Free Talk Live, 855-453. Sacral toll-free call in line here on Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you want. 855-450-3733. If you've been listening to Free Talk Live for any length of time, you've heard us talk about Bitcoins. But maybe you didn't know how to go about getting them. There's an easy way. You can get Bitcoins by depositing cash at thousands of banking locations across the United States, including Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Once you have your Bitcoins, you can use them to pay anyone in the world with no transaction fees or third parties getting involved or even necessarily knowing about it because it's anonymous. It works just like a person-to-person cash transaction, but you can do it over the Internet. To learn more, visit exchangebitcoins.com. Again, it's exchangebitcoins.com. If you need to find out more about Bitcoins before you go and how they work, it's uh, weusecoins.org. Let's go. Oh, before we go and anywhere, um, Nimi, you've done a little research here and found out that apparently my information may be a little dated. Uh, flex my Google Foo here, and we have a Wikipedia article. I, I think it's not that your information is dated, Mark. It's that w- the the data that you're going with does not differentiate between illegal and legal immigration okay. to the United States and. Uh, China. This was why why I was so surprised when you said number two. Um, I was thinking in terms of illegal immigration. Yes, well, that, that's what I was thinking of too. And and in uh, according to Wikipedia, as we all know, is the most factual source out there here. Uh, <laughs> it certainly reliable. is easy to use. <laughs> it, it it is it is uh, it is very good here. So two four six eight 
China is 10th on the present-day countries of origin, according to our... Of illegal immigrants. Illegal immigrants. But it's number two among immigrants. Yes. Okay. So, um, but on that list of 10, if you were to include everybody who's from, say, Asia... Would they? Um, it looks like they come out. They come larger than El Salvador, which is at number two. Number is that correct? Number two, it would be yes. So it still sort of holds my point that the Pacific Ocean is an ineffective um, moat, ineffective deterrent in keeping people from crossing the border. I, I would like to see my tax dollars go to sharks with lasers on their heads, though. I've got to say, I think that would be a, a more effective use of my tax dollars than some of the things I've seen. People are going to get hurt. <laughs> Let's go to Derek in Jersey City. Derek. Hi. Yes, hello. Hey, Derek, what's going on? Hey, this is this is Derek J. I just wanted to give a brief update to the listeners about the Shire activism that's happening at Occupy Wall Street. So this is Derek J., our normal, uh, what is it, Wednesday night host, and or Tuesday night host, and, and you were uh, there at the Occupy Wall Street uh, fabulous bonanza. Tell us what's going on. Well, there are a lot of folks out here with signs. Uh, n- nothing too unusual that you haven't seen on YouTube. But How many I just folks? wanted to let everyone. What's that? How many folks? Oh, I would say uh, about, you know, two hundred okay. or you know, in, in that ballpark. And um, the folks are more in the surrounding area as well. But in the um, square, there are about two hundred. There are folks all sleeping in um, knapsacks just uh, sleeping on the ground. There are folks who are uh, using their voices uh, throughout the crowd, repeating messages to amplify a single voice instead of using a megaphone or something similar. Uh And we're we're just sharing um, the message of liberty with the folks who are looking for solutions. Excellent. Uh, A lot of the folks there are upset about the uh, regulations that are on Wall Street. And they know that the Fed had a huge part in getting us into this mess, and they're looking for answers. They obviously know that getting together in a large group of people in a common place makes a difference, and so we've been promoting the Free State Project to Excellent. those people. Excellent. Have they been receptive? Yes. yes. So many people are very receptive to the message. Um, ex- I, I'm always excited that uh, the, the folks hadn't yet heard about the Free State Project in their eyes light up you mean there's another occupy there's occupy new hampshire as well as occupy wall street and it's been going on for years like yeah people want to become a part of it and uh through this networking i think that we'll have a lot of new movers wow that's awesome uh thanks for going down there and getting that done and other folks can do this in their communities where they're occupy whatever this might be a great outright outreach opportunity and uh thanks for for the call derek i think that that's awesome yeah my pleasure just wanted to give you a brief update and let you know what's going on in Wall Street. Thanks. Uh, keep, yep. Keep keep us updated. Appreciate it. Nice job. 855-450-3733. Let's go to Will in Alabama, it would appear. Will? Hey, how's it going? Howdy. Well. Hey, uh, I was going to talk about um, earlier when you were talking about the woman, uh, the homeless woman who was uh, being arrested for putting her child in a public school. Um, yes. Uh, oh, and by the way, I'm actually a friend of Allie, so hi, Allie. <laughs> hi, Will. Is Will, it's a, hi. It's a big I, I recognize your voice now. Great. It's a big yeehaw from Alabama. Here we go. <laughs> yep. Um, but what I found interesting about that is um, I was homeschooled, and I see some similarities there with, you know, Alabama is, is pretty good for homeschooling, 
but um, really in just about any state, and other states are worse, but the amount of proof that you have to give that you're actually doing things yeah. is, is pretty ridiculous. It can be prohibitive. All the times. Uh, yeah, and I just find it interesting that as someone who is homeschooled, you know, we would have to send in, um, I mean, sometimes down to the level of lesson plans. Oh, my. To prove that you're actually educating your child. But then, on the other hand, she's having to prove that her child is allowed to go to that school. I just think that's an interesting dichotomy of me having to prove, you know what I mean, that I'm doing something. Whereas if I decided not to be homeschooled and go to a public school, I would then have to prove something to do that. You really bring up an excellent point here that probably that doesn't get articulated in in the best way. Well, um, is that it? It brings about that same old question of who is watching the watchers. The government believes itself to be the final arbiter of what um, education someone should be getting. So a homeschool student who by by and large, get far better educations. Will than, is much smarter than the typical student in Auburn High. Right. Um, get, they get far better educations than uh, people who are in, going to public schools. The, the home stu- school student has to prove to the uh, educational organization that they're doing what they're doing. But well, where's the Department of Education? Who's watching the Department of Education? And the answer is whoever's watching them is doing a terrible job because the the level of education has been decreasing over time. And they, you know, according to their own numbers, twenty percent of people are graduating functionally illiterate. So, uh, you know, whoever's watching them is is apparently not watching very well. And the answer is nobody's watching them. They're the watchers, yeah. and nobody watches the watchers. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what you were saying about how, you know, 20-something percent or whatever, you know, graduating and being illiterate. Yep. Um, I I don't think I've heard a radio show during which you've talked about it, but I'm sure you're very opinionated on the whole uh, no child left behind thing. Yeah, I you know, I, I don't know if I'm very opinionated on it. What it seems to me is that teachers are passionate, uh, you know, if teachers are passionate, passionate people do good jobs. And if a teacher, I would assume a teacher gets into their business because they're passionate, some of them probably want to make 40, 50, 60, $100,000 a year and have summers off. But I'm going to go ahead and say that I think that the majority of them get into it because they're passionate about educating kids. And but when you give them this lesson plan and they can't deviate from that lesson plan, then they're not going to be as good at it. The teachers that I considered to be the best teachers that I had in school did not stick to the lesson plan. They do all kinds of unusual things. We'd act stuff out. We'd have um, you know mock-ups of uh, you know the Declaration of Independence where we you know voted on things and came up with our own constitution and and I, I guess I should have said constitution. We had, we made up our own constitution and just a whole bunch of we'd dress up in costumes. Just a whole bunch of different things. And these things I can remember having done this stuff. I can't remember what a sign code. Cosine or tangent is for the life of me because we read that stuff out of the book. And actually, the one thing in that uh, trigonometry class that I do remember is the teacher taught us a song which doesn't stick to the lesson plan. And it goes uh, uh, sine, cosine, and tangent, op over hype, edge over hype, op over edge. And it actually, I can tell you that it's adjacent versus the opposite. Um, and that's how you come up with these angle measurements or whatever. And he I only smart. know that because it was a song. <laughs> You know, 20 years ago. (laughs) Free Talk Live. Will, thanks for the call. 855-450-3733. 
The first secret to success is recognizing opportunity. The second is to act on it. But how do you gain the skills to know how and when? AllSuccessClub.com meets successful individuals online and in exotic locations around the world. Find out from the rich and famous how they went from rags to riches and learn how to achieve financial independence for yourself. Your path to success begins now at AllSuccessClub.com. Talk Live, 855-453. This is SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Might be able to slip you in, just possibly, if you make that call. Check out shop.freetalklive.com. It is a way for you to do the shopping you do online normally, whether it's through uh, Amazon or I think we've got over there uh, Newegg. And if when you do this shopping, you'll get the same great service and same great prices everything that you normally get you'll just a little bit of your shopping dollar will go to free talk live it's a it's a way to do what you normally do and benefit free talk live in the process it's shop.freetalklive.com let's go to oh by the way it's mark with you nemi and ali let's go to brandon in west virginia brandon hey how you doing all's well what's uh what, what's on your mind I was just listening to your last segment about the uh, you know, the difference between uh, you know, public education and homeschool. It just made me think of you know, one of the many faults in the public school system that I saw going through high school you know, many years ago. It was, uh, I guess, the amount of special needs kids that were just, just pushed through the system, handed a high school diploma, and then just thrown out into the world. I don't know if it was a fault with the teachers not wanting to do the work, the administrators you know, going on them. But it's, it's it's really sad that you know these these you know bright smart people that just need a, a little bit of help get thrown out in the world, thrown into college. You know, college professors don't care. You know, they make their their money one way or another. And uh, it just it's one of the many faults of the the public edu- education system anymore. These people that just they're not getting the help that they need. I don't know if that's you know common in the rest of the country or just where I grew up. But it's, well, whose responsibility is it to help um, special needs children? I believe it's part of the public education system. I mean, we're no child left behind. I mean, don't don't leave anybody behind. I mean, if somebody needs a little help, you know what's what's the you know what's the harm in, in taking the extra time that they need? Well, I, I guess the, the the question I would ask is, and we did spend some time on special needs uh, children uh, earlier in the hour. If you want to get that uh, archive, you can go to uh, freetalklive.com. It'll be available probably about 11 p.m. this evening. Um, so, you know, if anybody calls in and they want to hear their voice or, or whatever, you can always get the archive at archive.freetalklive.com. But the question I would have um, as far as this goes is, who's best suited for teaching special needs kids? And I would contend that, um, that in fact, private schools would be the best at teaching people this uh you know the teaching special needs kids what they need to know i would actually absolutely agree with you brandon that uh, the public school system doesn't provide special needs children with what they need but the question you have to ask when public schools are spending fourteen thousand dollars per student and private schools can educate for half of that where is the money best spent for educating kids I, th- I think you make um, a couple of good points. And, and what I was thinking about over the break was um, who is qualified to teach 
perhaps it's that we have a lower caliber of teacher in, in today's public schools, quote unquote, who were, you know, it's, it's the quality of teachers is going downhill where, you know, we have a 20 percent illiteracy rate. Maybe it's because our our teachers aren't that great, or maybe they're hamstrung by the no child left behind uh, rules that make them you know make it so that they can't teach the way that they would teach passionately, and it affects their their productivity. It's also impossible to fire them if I can't get fired. Then I'm not going to try very hard. Right. That's that's an excellent point. Not impossible. But, Brandon, I, th- I think Allie asked an, an important question here that I would ask you is. If we know that public schools are funded by tax dollars, and I guess that means the suggestion is is that I, as a taxpayer, have the obligation to uh, educate, supposedly have the obligation to educate other people's kids. But my kids homeschooled, and so every dollar that they take from me to educate their kids, they're taking from my son, whom uh, dollars that I might spend on my son to educate him. Do you think that's fair? Uh. Probably not. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about the homeschool system. I mean, is that something that you have to pay for? Well, I mean, I buy things in order to, to teach them, but I, different different parents teach differently um, as far as homeschool goes, but they all have to buy their own curricula. You can't go down to the local town hall and, and get free homeschool curricula that I know of. Uh, that, that's something I, I plan on looking forward to. My kids are only one years old, but I mean, I've, I've, I've seen the, the failures of the public school system. I mean, the elementary school, you know, three blocks from my house has 40 kids with one teacher in the kindergarten classroom. Wow. 40, you're 45-year-old. Gosh. Can you imagine I what... Know, I think that's my... What, what I envision as my own personal hell. Yeah, that's what, that was the word that came up for me as I was thinking about it. If, if there was a room in hell that was made for me, it would have 45-year-olds in it. My goodness. That would, how could anybody handle that? Brandon, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. I said I have two kids at home that are the same age, and that's crazy enough. You've got one-year-old twins? Yes. Does your wife sleep? No, no, neither of us sleep. I'm a stay-at-home dad most of the time. She brings home the bacon. Wow, wow. Sorry, I didn't Bless mean to, uh, to make any sexist comments there. I just uh, it's Usually it's, it's the mom that has to get up with the kids. And my goodness, that has got to be a, a tough thing to deal with. I can't imagine you have time to call a radio show. Get back to work, Brandon. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> two one-year-olds. Your, oh, your heart can only go out to a parent that's uh, dealing with two one-year-olds. God bless them. <laughs> so... Um, Real quick here, I've got an article that I think is worth bringing out. We've been talking about this Occupy Wall Street thing, and an ominous warning has come, been issued forth from Anonymous, I guess. It's hard to know who Anonymous is because Anonymous really isn't anybody. It's just a term that – the sort of amorphous term that some people use for themselves and there are factions within LulzSec and um, – What's the other one? Uh, there's LulzSec and uh, I can't remember. Another one that uses the word sec. <laughs> anyway, the claim is on October the 10th, the New York Stock Exchange shall be erased from the Internet. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, you know, when Anonymous says the New York <laughs> Stock Exchange will be erased from the Internet on October 10th. I believe him. It, I'm going to take happen. a good look. It could happen. I'll, I'm going to watch. Yeah. I, that time when they like went over went after all these credit cards, it was the strangest thing because I was listening to I was listening uh, to you guys talk about it in Free Talk Live, and then I was at work. No one's credit cards were working that day. It was just they. I mean, it was effective. They <laughs> do a lot of what they say they're going to do. We will not stand by and watch the system take over our way of life. 
We the people shall stand against the government's inaction. We the people will not be witnesses to your corruption and ill-gotten profits. We will not labor for your leisure. We will not assist you in any way. This is why we choose to declare our war against the New York Stock Exchange. We can no longer stay silent as the population is being exploited and forced to make sacrifices in the name of profit. We will show the world that we are true to our word. On October 10th, NYSE shall be erased from the Internet. On October 10th, expect a day that will never, ever be forgotten. And, you know, the... It, apparently, some of this Occupy Wall Street stuff has uh, turned very sort of uh, socialist in nature, but I like the the verbiage that um, Anonymous tends to use, and I do think that many of these, uh, especially the banks, bankers and stuff like that, have gotten all kinds of ill-gotten profits. They got the bailout. We, the American people, bailed them out. Why are middle-class people bailing out rich people who made mistakes? And what kind of lessons will they learn from these bailouts? I say none. Um, you know, this whole 99% escaping, you know, allowing the 1% to escape justice unharmed for their crimes against the people. I think, in fact, um, many of the 99% use the system to, uh, you know, to commit crimes against other people within the 99% and to try to hold people accountable for crimes and all this other stuff I don't think really works. I think what we need to do is forgive and then cease to use violence to get what we want from people. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> that's this idea of punishment and things like that that's it's not gonna it, it's not gonna cause anything so i i'm interested to see what anonymous does um there are plenty of businesses that have been functioning on the new york stock exchange that have not aggressed against anonymous but i don't think a, taking a couple of hours or day or day off uh, of being exchanged is going to particularly harm anyone except maybe the, uh, the the wall street traders whom whatever for whatever reason some folks in anonymous believe are, are at the heart of this well it'll keep some feds employed too you know chasing down the baddies yeah they've got to have the uh, what, what's the um the the crash squad or whatever they call the sec that uh, tries to make sure that the the stock market doesn't uh, crash into obliterate uh, obliteration again um you know i mean i it, <laughs> i don't know if i support it but i think it's very very interesting and i have a difficult time being shaking my finger at these guys i can tell you that much and i'm sure there's gals too I should, guys absolutely say, yeah that's right that's here. a second sexist comment i put my apron life. on and make some dinner <laughs> that's right. do i have to go make cookies now yes yes <laughs> Absolutely. I'll get their bacon. <laughs> Take my shoes off. 855. What, what am I giving the number out? Free Talk Live. It's been Mark with you. Nemi. And Allie. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 